Well, hey there. Welcome back to my YouTube channel. Thanks for joining me here today. Um, I've been getting some interesting questions recently about how I think dark matter is related to Bigfoot and cryptids and a lot of these related subjects. So I wanted to make this video for you to kind of explain how these ideas are connected. And I want to show you that there's a lot of precedent already in physics for looking into the subjects of missing matter, uh, morphine, and invisibility. So how, does the, how do these ideas really connect? Um, because this is sort of what I'm suggesting. I'm calling them dark matter monsters here. So how does that actually uh, link in? to what we see around cryptids and Bigfoot and related phenomena. Well, first of all, I think you need to, if we look back at the history um, in physics, going back to the 1950s, there are already two branches and probably before, but there's first two branches here which link up to uh, the idea that what we see around us is not a complete description of reality. We're just seeing some of it. And who are the researchers that told us this? Well, I think the first would be Hugh Everett in 1957 in his dissertation thesis, which he called Relative States, uh, his attempt to look at quantum mechanics from a macroscopic point of view, the Schrodinger wave function, and to ask the question if this wave, quantum wave function describes uh, many possibilities for any uh, group of particles. How come you and I just see uh, one description of that equation when there are lots of many other possibilities? Um, it's called the, uh, the measurement problem, which is how come when you observe or take a measurement of a quantum process, you get a particular set of values, what happens to the other descriptions. And the preferred basis problem, which is if uh, reality can take many different probable descriptions, why do we see the particular description around us right now, particular colors and temperatures and characteristics of the matter that we see around us? Um, so Hugh Everett answered this question by saying that the quantum wave function describes a branching reality structure with many different possibilities described by many different branches, but you and I are only privy to one of those branches at a time, and that's what we're seeing. Um, and that was called the relative states interpretation of quantum mechanics, and it was later changed to the idea of many worlds, which led to the idea of parallel realities, an idea that really was first um, made popular by Star Trek in some of those very early Star Treks from, I believe, the late 60s when I first started watching it as a kid. Uh, sorry for the bone-crunching noises. This is uh, Astro below here chewing his, uh, chewing his bone. So the other idea for a hidden sector of reality, in other words, 
a part of reality that we cannot see or very easily measure comes from the work of Nobel Prize winners Yang and Lee, um, working at Brookhaven, I believe, also in the 50s, who found out that there exists what's called a parity violation in particle physics. In other words, the idea up to Yang and Lee's time was that everything in physics is symmetrical. And, and that would be the idea that any motion that you make, anything you do, looks exactly reversed if you look at it yourself or something in a mirror. It should be identical but reversed images, right? It sort of intuitively makes sense if you've ever played around in front of a mirror as a kid or something like that. But what Yang and Lee found is you don't get this mirror symmetry. You get a parity violation, and this was found, for example, in neutrino spin, where there's, I believe, more of a uh, left-handed versions of these neutrinos than you would expect if you had perfect symmetry. So what Yang and Lee said is perhaps this symmetry in the universe is restored if we accept that some of these particles, I believe it's something on the order of one out of uh, one out of 10,000 or something like this violates uh, symmetry and creates a parity violation. If there was a hidden sector in our universe where some of these particles were symmetrical, but we couldn't measure them directly. Again, suggesting the idea of parallel realities. In other words, reality is more than what we can immediately measure with our senses and our equipment. It's in a hidden sector. And this idea, as I've talked about in previous videos, was taken up by a researcher at Oak Ridge National Laboratories called Leo Broussard, who uh, at the time uh, of reading these articles about her a couple of years ago, was looking for this hidden sector in the behavior of neutrons because there's this sort of disparity in neutrons when they're emitted from an atomic nucleus. There's a disparity in the decay times, which should not exist depending how you measure this, uh, the neutrons. The experiment should be exactly the same, but they're off by something like 18 seconds, which is a long time in physics. For a neutron decay, neutrons by themselves outside of a nucleus. And so that led Broussard to the idea that there's also this hidden sector where the neutrons are like oscillating into a parallel Earth reality. I think you can see where this is going. The idea of parallel realities and hidden sectors, and if we apply this to the issue of Bigfoot and cryptids and phenomena like this, which seem to have an invisibility component to them, um, is not something we're just pulling out of a hat. Physics has been talking about it for decades. And just a survey of the literature, you know, I subscribe to Science Magazine for a couple decades now since graduate school. And I, you know, I originally just subscribed to look at the sociology economics articles, which there are some in science here and there, but I, I got fascinated by things like uh, dark matter, and condensed matter physics and, and, and things like that. So I read those articles too now. So Science Magazine also talks about this hidden sector. This is just from 2017. 
In search for unseen matter, physicists turn to the dark sector. You see? U.S. Depart Energy Department most probe of shadow world. What does that sound like to you? We've heard from uh, one of the defense contractors recently talking about the shadow biome. It's not that much of a stretch, folks. And in this uh, article, they say in the, in the search for dark matter, and there's a couple particles which are, you know, these can dark matter candidates. We've talked about relic neutrinos here before. It's a very small percentage of dark matter. Um, but, you know, physicists are interested in finding what is most dark matter. This is matter that we can't see directly, that only interacts with us gravitationally, not electromagnetically. And in this article, they say they've looked for so-called weakly interacting massive particles, WIMPs, and uh, another type of particle, the axion, as a candidate for dark matter. These are not, have not been detected yet, but these are just theoretical candidates. The no-shows have led physicists to turn to the dark sector. It's like Yang and Lee. They speculate that dark matter might not consist of a single massive particle tacked on to the standard model, but a slew of lighter particles and forces with tenuous connections to known particles. For example, in the familiar universe massless, photons convey electromagnetic force to the dark sector. A massive dark photon would convey a dark version of electromagnetism, and theorists generally expect that ordinary and dark photons would suddenly intertwine or mix. Very rarely, then, a particle interaction that would normally produce a high-energy photon would instead produce a dark photon. This is already contained in this type of article, the idea that photons can morph between visible photons and invisible photons, so-called dark photons. So it's not really a stretch for those interested in Bigfoot cryptid topics to look into the idea of invisibility, especially since high-level experiments at the Department of Energy are already looking into this uh, with their lab experiments. Now, you're wondering, how do you go from energy to matter? It's because of Einstein's general relativity theory that E equals mc squared. Energy equals mass times the speed of light squared. Or mass equals energy divided by the speed of light squared. So energy and mass are interchangeable. We've known this for over 100 years. Here's another article just recently, well, pretty recently, this is from April 2022, while I was still writing Dark Matter Monsters, by the way. Um, but I hadn't seen this article, but it looks uh, really uh, just kind of exactly what we're talking about. A quantum sense for dark matter. You see, physicists are talking about dark matter. And in this particular article, they're looking for experiments, again, that would detect this dark matter. Now, dark matter is expected to outnumber visible matter by 10 to 1, something like that, okay? 10 particles for dark matter in our universe for every one visible particle. So, of course, physicists want to detect this dark matter. And... Uh, in this article, they're looking for these subtle quantum processes that would 
show you with some sort of measurement, either through superconductivity or even a type of dark matter radio, that you're detecting this morphine from dark photons into visible photons. And when they collide with a crystal lattice, you should be able to sense a change in the circuit because they're creating phonons, which are uh, physical vibrations in a crystal. So this is what's interesting about this article to me. They are talking about the same thing we saw in the previous article. Uh, according to Catherine Zurich, a theorist at California Institute of Technology, just as photons convey electromagnetic force, dark photons might convey a dark electromagnetic force. And here it comes. Dark and ordinary electromagnetism might intertwine so that rarely a dark photon would morph into an ordinary one. So you have these articles in Science, which is a mainstream science journal publication of the AAAS, American Association for the Advancement of Science. If you take a look at the recent documentary, A Flash of Beauty, Paranormal Bigfoot, um, which um, I'm in for a few parts there, the sequel to A Flash of Beauty, Bigfoot Revealed, you will hear witnesses talking about experiences which seem to me very similar to what these articles are talking about, okay? It doesn't seem all that different. Yes, I know it's kind of a leap to go to macroscopic objects that we can see from these microscopic objects, but how else do you explain these types of witnesses that you see in A Flash of Beauty paranormal Bigfoot who say, uh, like the Barbara Shoup footage, where, you know, the camera film, filmed something that looks like the predator effect, even though they had seen this uh, small juvenile Bigfoot in their group, but the camera sees something that's kind of shimmering and translucent, as if it's made of different states of matter. If you're familiar with the Bigfoot encrypted literature, and it's something I've been studying for a couple of years now, uh, ever since I visited the Bailey Sasquatch outpost, and I was shocked to find the number of Bigfoot sightings right around Boulder. I mean, we're talking just a couple miles here from uh, my apartment. Um, you really begin to wonder when you hear the reports of invisibility and this other effect uh, this winking around your field of vision by Bigfoot, by Dogman, by other types of cryptids that we don't really understand very well, and we're just giving them these names. We don't really know exactly what they are. Uh, but you look at the literature, and witnesses consistently describe Bigfoot, for example, going invisible in front of them. I, I remember uh, Igor Burtza, the first Bigfoot conference I went to, hosted by the Sasquatch outpost, Jim Myers. It was in 2021. It was Bigfoot American and Russian research. And there was Igor Burtsev, a 50-year researcher of Bigfoot from Russia, telling us that they had many examples where these Bigfoot seemed to just disappear in front of people's eyes. Uh, in one case, he described a Bigfoot in someone's garden uh, in a you know suburban area uh, they could measure the height of the utility poles behind the creature, and from her description, they could say it was about nine feet tall. This woman described, and I talked to Igor about this, 
uh, afterwards, it, uh, a curtain of light coming down over the Sasquatch. They call them, uh, some of the names in Russia are Almasti. Coming down like a curtain of light winking out. As the curtain came down, the Bigfoot disappeared right in front of her eyes. Now, this is the first time I had ever heard about this. So it was quite surprising. But having researched it now, talked to witnesses in Colorado and other areas in the Northwest. If you look at my uh, some of my previous videos here, I talk about what I learned at some of these conferences recently in uh, Washington State and Utah. Uh, there are many witnesses to this sort of phenomenon. I remember uh, Brett Eichenberger, the creator of, with his resonance team of Flash of Beauty, parts one and two, uh, just talking to him over in Vernally told me about a case of, I believe it was a law enforcement officer, seeing a Bigfoot go invisible in front of his patrol car. Now, he was driving at the time. By the time he got to where the Bigfoot had been, he, it was invisible, but he said it was like going, if I remember correctly, like kind of going through turbulence in an airplane. There was like a little bumpiness. He didn't hit anything, but there was still some energy there uh, from where he had physically seen the Bigfoot. And I even talked to a witness up at the Kalispell, Montana Mystery Conference uh, last October in Montana. And this woman told me, and she hadn't shared this story with many people before, that she had been on her grandparents' property as a teenager. And she had seen what the dog, her dog saw at first. It kind of went down and was staring at something. She looked and they saw what she described as a very dark-haired, juvenile, you know, adolescent juvenile Sasquatch. And, um, she said that it digitized in front of her eyes and disappeared. Now, I asked her, you know, digitized, what, what does that mean? I mean, like pixelated. She said, yes, it sort of turned into these pixels of kind of light and disappeared right in front of her eyes. It didn't walk away. It didn't move away. It just vanished. It sounded very much like Igor Burtsev described. And if you take the time to read the literature, uh, listen to some of these podcasts, that you can listen to about Sasquatch encounters, um, you'll see that this is what people experience, and they experience this around other cryptids too. Uh, it can move between spaces without seemingly going between the spaces. Is that a function of our, per of our perception, or is it literally changing into another state of matter, more energetic state of matter, and able to sort of move like that? Now, one of the original uh, uh, researchers, who I'm a big fan of, Stan Gordon. This is one of his original books on the subject, Silent Invasion, the Pennsylvania UFO case book, Bigfoot case book. I've had two interviews with Stan, one just a, a few months ago, where he has case after case of this. He describes cases, and this is mostly in western and southwestern Pennsylvania, and he's been doing this since 1959, by the way. He's been manning a, a hotline for people to call in their reports. In Silent Invasion and his uh, some of his more recent books, uh, Creepy Cryptids, uh, Strange UFO Encounters of Pennsylvania, Bigfoot, Thunderbirds, and Mysteries of Chestnut Ridge, and more, he describes these cases of people seeing a Bigfoot but only seeing part of their body and the rest of it being translucent. 
uh, if I remember correctly, in one case, they could see like part of the torso, but the center section was invisible. Now that to me sounds a lot like Yang and Lee's hidden sector and this search for dark matter uh, as a type of morphine matter that can move between a visible state and an invisible state. Now, we have more evidence for this in the research of Kenneth Shoulders, who studied charge clusters, uh, strong electrons, as he called them, settling on the term exotic vacuum objects. You know, clusters of coherent particles, uh, mostly uh, electrons that we know, we know as ball lightning or uh, micro ball lightning, as uh, Takayaki Matsumoto called it. If you look at this picture I'm putting up here, uh, Ken Shoulders talked about the ability of these EVOs to form a dark state, a black state, what some people call black ball lightning, a dark state or an invisible state. And Shoulders realized this by looking at some of these videos that he took of these charge clusters, but Matsumoto called itonic clusters, and there's other researchers, Meziets, called them ectons. And, and not many researchers have different names for this type of charge cluster, uh, sphere or toroidal shape, even at a microscopic scale. In this photo, you can see that you can see the little charge cluster moving along, more familiarly known as uh, static electricity, but this is sort of an organized toroidal form of static electricity, kind of a condensed form, a compressed form of energy and matter. You know, it moves across, then it goes invisible, and then it shows up again. And this led shoulders to write about these EVOs being like dark matter messengers. That's the title of one of his papers. Unfortunately, he passed away about a decade ago. He was a colleague of Hal Putoff's. Uh, according to what I know about him, he invented the masking techniques for microelectronics that all of us use in computers and cell phones and any sort of uh, microelectronics. Uh, so he's a part of our lives in that way. But he got very interested in this ball lightning orb uh, exotic vacuum object subject. And he concluded that they have a dark form that they morph between the visible form and the invisible form. And in this photo, you know, he, you could see it happening right before your eyes. And he concluded that they were some sort of bridge to a dark matter universe. That charge clusters, ball lightning, micro ball lightning, are a bridge to another universe, perhaps, of dark matter. Now, another example of this morphine type of charge cluster orb energy is in the work of Shek Paranoff, a Russian researcher into lab-produced ball lightning. You can see in this photo here from his own laboratory experiments, where in one case you have one of these lab-produced ball lightnings in a very visible bright form. The other picture you can see is sort of a negative in it, image or a sort of a black orb formation there, sort of the, the inverse of the bright form. And then uh, shoulders and others have suggested that there are even intermediate forms where it's not uh, visible at all. So these are uh, 
several ball lightning researchers who've come to the same conclusion about the morphological character of these uh, ball lightnings. So I don't think it's a stretch for those of us interested in these topics of life forms to suggest that some of these life forms that can morph into other shapes like Bigfoot seems to be able to do. And you can see examples of that in the flash of beauty, paranormal Bigfoot of people discussing witnessing Bigfoot morph into other types of animals. I mean, I know to your Western educated mind like mine is, this would seem like, what is this science fiction? But no, it's this is what people really experience. And there are other examples in the film of equally amazing transformations of Bigfoot into other types of energy shapes. You're just going to have to, trust me, it's worth it, rent or buy the film to uh, see this for yourself. So I don't think it's a stretch to go from what we have the physicists talking about it, looking for it in the lab, to say, hey, maybe it already exists out in the wild. And this is what people are experiencing when they see Bigfoot or other cryptids do really strange and weird things that to us would have been in the realm of science fiction until we learned that scientists have been studying this since the idea of it since the 50s and people like Ken Shoulders and Takayaki Matsumoto studied it in the lab in uh, Cold Fusion Leonard experiments and concluded that these really condensed energy structures can morph into a dark form and just Matsumoto says the same thing, even become a type of dark matter, a condensed type of dark matter that can even form uh, black holes you know, highly collapsed electromagnetic structures in this case. So I think it's just a logical extension of what physics has been doing to say, hey guys, maybe it's not just something we'll find in a lab experiment that there's a mirror universe, that people are already experiencing this right now. It, you might have experienced this. Maybe you know people have experienced this when you're out in nature and you've seen a creature do something like this. To me, it suggests that we're around dark matter life forms, uh, dark matter creatures. And yes, some of them seem kind of monstrous occasionally, uh, like it or not. We don't understand very much of this topic. But I would suggest this is behind what we're seeing with this cryptid Bigfoot uh, capabilities to become invisible, to morph, to transform and take that sort of predator shimmering like shape. Uh, which even uh, Dave Pilates talked about in that his documentary, Missing 411, The Hunted, where there's another example of that. So that's uh, my thinking about it. And of course, I'm interested to hear your point of view on this. Do you have another interpretation of cryptid and Bigfoot invisibility? I'm open to hearing what you have to say. But in any case, thanks again for watching. We will uh, see you in the next video. Take care for now and bye-bye.